0: Where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God... Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, Show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because i am going to the father and i will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son you may ask me for anything in my name and i will do it
1: From everyone Morning, I'm Colin, I'm the pastor. Welcome all to you watching at home as well. Thanks for joining us. We're going to keep streaming things online, probably, I don't know, the rest of the year as well, but it's great if you can be here, good to see you in person. Well, I wonder, are you any good at asking for directions? You know, or even if you're given directions, are you any good at following them? I mean, blokes, we're especially bad at it, aren't we? I mean, I think at heart, what I'm afraid of is, if I ask someone for directions, they're going to say, what, you don't know the way, are you a pathetic excuse for a man. Of course, the major hurdle it, um, when it comes to asking the right way to go is admitting to yourself that you need directions in the first place. I mean, these days, we've got sat nav and we've got Siri on our phones and stuff to tell us where to go. But I bet like me, you've all ignored their advice. Um, I always kind of half expect Siri to say, you know, if you weren't going to listen to my advice, why did you bother asking in the first place? (laughs) She hasn't yet, but I'm sure it's coming. Well, that said, if it was a life and death situation, uh, we'd be quick to ask for directions, and we'd be careful to listen, wouldn't we? Uh, If it was the CFS in a country town when a bushfire's coming in, and then we'd ask, and then we'd listen. And this series, we're looking at who is Jesus. We're parking, trying to park what we think we know about Jesus and listen to what Jesus himself has to say about himself. We're doing that through five occasions when Jesus says, I am. And today, chapter four, John 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what Jesus is doing here is, is answering a question. Because uh, one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas, uh, Thomas is great, is the patron saint of saying what everyone else is thinking. Thomas has asked the way to the place Jesus is going, to be with God, to be with God the Father in heaven, heaven, God's perfect home, uh, free from evil and suffering. Asking the way there. And Jesus' big claim is that Jesus is the only way to get there. I think even if you're someone who doesn't believe in God at all, I reckon all of us are trying to get somewhere. Nobody really settles for how things are right now. Um, you probably know the John Lennon song, Imagine. Imagine. Um, And in that song, John Lennon asks us to imagine life without religion or without the idea of heaven and hell and imagine that that would all live life in peace, if that's how things were. But another Beatles song, Hey Jude, was originally called Hey Jules, written by Paul McCartney to comfort Lennon's son, Julian. Because this is the same John Lennon who didn't have enough peace to settle for how things were and left his wife, Cynthia, for Yoko Ono. We're all trying to be somewhere. And the Bible tells us that what we're made for, that where at heart every one of us is trying to be, is in right, loving relationship, worshipping God who created us. Not just for now, but forever. After, even after we die. That's what God wants for us. That's what he made us for. And the trouble is, every one of us has slapped away God's hand of friendship, meaning left to ourselves, we're faced with separation from God and his goodness. So in saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus is making the exclusive claim that all of this is sorted out through believing and trusting in him. And that's the only way that it's sorted out. So to help us get into this passage that Richard just read for us, we're going to look at the three questions that Jesus gets asked in the passage and the answers that he gives. Where are you going? How can we know the way? And can you show us the Father? Where are you going? How can we know the way? Can you show us the Father? So first up, Simon Peter asks, Where are you going? Verse 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I, am, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. So the context is Jesus is with his disciples at their last meal together, celebrating the Passover. Judas has just left to go off and betray Jesus. And Jesus knows that this is the beginning of the end. Jesus knows that where he is going is to his death. By crucifixion. Jesus knows his disciples are about to see the bloke that they've dedicated the last three years or so to that is by all appearances gonna lose in the worst possible way. You know that feeling when something really good comes to an end? And maybe it's Christmas for you or maybe you're glad it's gone. Uh, When I was a teenager, we used to go on Christian youth camps every year from the age of 11 up to, well, into my 20s actually. And they were just the best. There was just so much fun, such great friendships that are still ongoing today, Uh, all made in the context of where talking and learning about and loving Jesus was the norm for a change, you know, a real holiday from being in the minority. But coming home, we all used to talk about post-camp blues, you know, coming back down to earth with a thud. And Jesus knows that what is coming could lead his disciples to despair. So he's telling them that actually what's about to happen is the very opposite of losing. Verse 31, when he was gone, when Judas was gone, Jesus said, now the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Jesus is saying that any day now he's going to his death, a horrible, unjust death resulting from a shonky trial and betrayal, And yet Jesus reckons the key thing about all that is that God is going to be glorified. God the Father and the Son together are both going to be glorified. That is, their goodness, their love, their awesomeness, their victory is shown off by the kind of death. That the locals barely even mention because it represents utter horror and shame and degradation. Yet that is God's ultimate victory. Why? Because the cross is the point in history when God deals with the problem between humanity and Himself, paying the price for our sin Himself so that we can be forgiven. God's moment of supreme revelation and triumph is achieved through the betrayal, humiliation, and weakness of his son Jesus. As he's nailed up on a tree by the humankind, the very people he has created. So Jesus doesn't want his disciples to despair as he goes to his death. He wants them instead To love one another. Verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so ye must love one another. As he has loved us. So laying aside his rights, laying aside the honor due to him as God, the son, giving up his life to love us. See, Christian love isn't airy-fairy, nice thoughts and positive memes. It's loving self-sacrificially, giving up our needs, our wants, our desires for the sake of others. If we want to glorify God, it's not done through fancy buildings, amazing music, incredible miracles. No, we glorify God by keeping coming back to the cross to see most clearly who God is and that having an impact and all of who we are, and how we love, and all that we do. So where is Jesus going, was the question. Jesus is going to the cross. And after that, to be resurrected back to life, and return to heaven. So chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house is many rooms. If that were not so would he have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also also may be where I am. So Jesus has gone to heaven to prepare a place for us there. We can't physically see Jesus at the moment. Um, In his resurrection body, he's ascended to God's invisible heavenly realm. But he hasn't abandoned the disciples. He hasn't abandoned us. Jesus has prepared a place for us. And he has prepared us for the place. He's prepared a place for us. And he's prepared us for the place. He's won our forgiveness on the cross. And promises to return to take us to heaven. So we've got sure-footed joy in all circumstances. Because where we're trying to get to is already secured by Jesus and he is preparing a home for us there. But how do we get there? That's our next question. How can we know the way? Uh, Chapter 14, verse 4, Jesus says, you know the way to the place I'm going. Jesus is like, you know all of this. You've been with me long enough. I've kept talking about how I must go to my death and be raised from death. But don't worry, our friend Thomas hasn't quite got it, so he asks for us. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is unique. It's who Jesus is, what he has done, that brings us to God in heaven. So every other religion or system of thought can be summarized by do, stuff you do. A list of stuff that only if you get enough things right, then you'll be okay. Just follow the directions, no wrong turns, and you'll get to be where you want to be. Only Jesus says, done. He has followed the directions to God perfectly. He's dealt with the consequences of all our wrong turns. He's gone ahead to the preferred destination, done all our unpacking, he's made a swan out of towels and put them on the bed, ready for us waiting to get there. And he will come back for us to take us back there personally, himself. And notice Jesus doesn't say, I am a way to God. He is deliberately, deliberately exclusive. He says, he's the way. And in case we don't get it, he says in the negative as well, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, of course, this is not what most people think or believe. Lots of people say, that, or an idea like this, that the truth is more like looking down at a mountain with lots of paths uh, that all lead to the top. So just choose your way that you find the most scenic or whatever, or easiest Um Just choose your own way of following your truth, and eventually you'll get to the top. And the posh name for that sort of way of looking at the world is relativism. Um, There's lots of problems with that, but three problems with that view. Number one, it's contradictory. So in reality, those paths are saying very different things. They can't all, at the same time, be true, because they're saying different things. Hinduism says there is no God. Islam and Judaism say Jesus isn't God. Mormons say Jesus is a God and you can be one too. Um, Paths heading in different directions forever are not going to end up at the same place. So it's contradictory. Second, it's condescending. It's patronizing. It's kind of affirming that you having a belief whilst at the same time saying you're deluded and you've got it completely wrong. Surely it's more respectful, more loving to say, actually, I don't agree, I think you're wrong, here's why. Respecting someone's right to believe doesn't make what they believe right. And it's more loving to be gently honest about that. So it's contradictory, it's patronizing, it's, it's arrogant. It sounds tolerant at first glance, but in this mountain paths picture, all these paths going to the same place, where's the narrator in this story? Well, he's in a helicopter, isn't he, looking down, looking down condescendingly, all these people trying to get it right. And that's a big claim to exclusive truth in itself. It's saying only my view has got the full picture, which is that the truth is beyond your reach, beyond your knowledge. And actually, it's very intolerant, because if then we say, no, my way is right, they're saying, well, you can't be right because you're claiming another truth. So lots of problems with that. So why should we trust Jesus, what he says? Well, Jesus can say he is the way because only he has died for us. Um, See, we're not actually on a mountain path at all. Our rebellion against God means we've fallen down a ravine, and we're absolutely hopeless and in need of rescue. And as Jesus dies, he deals with all that we've done wrong and rescues us. If only we'll put our trust in him. Jesus can make these exclusive claims because He's died for us. And because only in Jesus has God come to us in person. And that brings us to our third and final question for today. Can you show us the Father? Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. See, I think Philip's after like a one-off spectacular glimpse. Maybe he's after a big cloud or a burning bush or a mountaintop experience. But Jesus has already given him much, much more. Philip's seen Jesus turn water into wine, raise the dead, command the wind and the waves, walk on water, feed thousands with five loaves and a few salty fish, seen him heal the sick, all while saying things about himself that can only be said about God. So everything Philip's seen, everything he's heard, everything we have recorded for us in the Gospels points to this, that God, Jesus is God the Son, the Word incarnate. As the song said, totally God, totally man. Jesus is not God the Father, he's God the Son, but he so perfectly represents and submits to God the Father that if you know Jesus, you know the Father. If you know Jesus, you know the Father. So who is Jesus? Jesus. Jesus is God. And if that's true, then Jesus really can tell us what really is true. Again, this is different to any other religion or system of thought. There's nothing mysterious or concealed anymore. Jesus uh, lived his life publicly. You know, uh, Christianity puts itself on the chopping block of history. We can check it out. That's what the Gospels are, accounts of Jesus' life. We can check out what he said and did so we can weigh up ourselves if we think Jesus is who he said he is. Well, just thinking it through, if Jesus is God, he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows better than I do all the good things about me that honor him, but he knows in painful detail all that shames me and my desperate need for him. He knows every centimeter of the world, every person in it with all its problems, all our different ideas about what the good life is and where we're trying to get to. And knowing all of that, Jesus says that what you need is to be with your heavenly father and trusting and believing in Jesus is the only way to get there. So, who is Jesus? He's the way. The way of salvation. His glory shown in giving himself up to utter humiliation and death on the cross to save us from our sin and win our forgiveness. Put your trust in him to save you from your sin and follow his example in how you love, self sacrificially, all the person first. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. He's without sin, perfectly representing and submitting to God the Father. He's the word incarnate. Jesus isn't just a man pointing to the truth. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. He gives us eternal life in God's perfect, free from sin and evil, home forever. Jesus doesn't point to salvation, doesn't point to the truth, doesn't point to where to find life. Jesus is all these things. Let's trust and believe in him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that in Jesus we see you and know you so clearly. Thank you that we have these gospels so that when we're like Thomas and kind of miss, and Philip and missing everything that's been shown to us, We can see it afresh. Please speak to us this morning. Please show us at our deep heart level that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And help us to love one another as he has loved us.
0: Amen.